Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. America's down, but she's not out. The leftists within the Democrat Party are trying to reimagine a new America, their version of America, and that's a really bad idea. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and some of you guys know me as Mr. Call Screener. I am the host of America at Night with Rich Valdez, formerly the Jim Bohannon Show. We're on hundreds of wonderful radio stations across the country, and it's my pleasure to fill in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight. So uh, turn up your volume, get comfortable, put your feet up, and get ready for the best three hours in talk radio, and they're not going to be the same. They're going to be different every hour, so don't miss a single minute of it, because I think you're going to enjoy it. And not because of me, but because of you and because of the conversation and because of the critical times that we're in now. When it comes to ideas, it's good versus evil. Good ideas versus bad ideas. I say love your neighbor, love your fellow man, but don't love bad ideas. Now, we should always, always discriminate against bad ideas. And perhaps learning how to separate the two is a, is a little bit of a task. But it's a task worth taking on. Our civil society depends on that. We must be able to sit in a restaurant, go to the doctor, go to the bank, without worrying about getting canceled because of our beliefs. Of course, it's also appropriate to choose where we conduct our business, as much as it is within our rights to push back on those bad ideas. For example, Adult men dressed as women performing drag queen shows with sexual innuendos for minor children. That's a bad idea, in my opinion, right? It's, it's I'm going to say, objectionable for some people, especially when it's facilitated by a teacher or uh, a school official or the school itself without any parental consent. I certainly don't support that. And that idea reminds me of a social media post that I saw earlier today, believe it or not. The account, Pretty Rican 1979. Uh, somebody sent this to me, actually. And it, it says, I never cared if you were gay until you started shoving it down my throat. I never cared what color you were until you started blaming my race for your problems. I never cared about your political affiliation until you started to condemn me for mine. I never cared where you were born in the USA until you wanted to erase our history and blamed our ancestors for your problems. I never cared if you were well off or poor until you said you were discriminated against when I was promoted because I worked hard. I never cared if your beliefs were different from mine until you said your beliefs were wrong or my beliefs were wrong and yours were right. So now I care. My patience and tolerance are almost gone. I'm not alone in this feeling. There are millions of us who feel the same and we have had enough. And that's how it ends. And again, that's a, a little, not quite a meme, but a, a social media post that I saw. And I thought, wow, I think a lot of people agree with that. 
And again, not necessarily me. My ancestors trace back to the island of Puerto Rico and into Spain and, and into Europe. Uh, so it's, it's not necessarily m my story, but it's a story. And I think it's a significant story because people in America have had enough. But for many people, it's not just the objection of, of a certain lifestyle that's problematic. It's how the disagreement is delivered. Of course, there are some individuals where you're going to lose every time, irrespective of how polite you are. No matter how nuanced on the issues you are, they're always going to attack you personally for rejecting their beliefs. I get that. You're not going to win every fight. And more often than not, they're typically going to reject someone with a more conservative perspective. They're going to dismiss you or me right out of hand without ever giving our position any consideration. This has happened to me. A couple of weeks ago, actually, it happened to me. I was having a discussion that I usually have, a daily political discussion at the Cuban coffee shop I go to. And uh, our discussion that day was over climate change. And he said that we, we'd better um, be very careful and stop drilling for any more oil or any more you know, fracking for natural gas in the United States. And he argued because oil is very finite. And because it's a finite resource, we must find an alternative. Otherwise, we're going to deplete it and we're going to be done. Now, I argued that we don't necessarily have the, the clearest indication of how finite our oil supply is and or even our natural gas supply. And that there's no reason that even, you know, withstanding that, there's no reason why we should start buying oil from the Middle East when we're able to, to do at home or buying from Russia or et cetera, you know, buying externally. Not drilling at home and purchasing from abroad has zero benefits to American citizens today. And on the other side of that coin, it not only does it have zero benefit, but it has a lot of detriment. So I think it's a bad idea to give up on domestic energy production. It's a bad idea to blindly support whatever Republican leader McConnell supports, right? Because uh, whatever he says isn't always the right thing. For example, Mitch McConnell, ironically, about a year ago in December or two years ago in December, I think I read something on the air. And back then uh, it was kind of nobody cared. But you look at the same story now and it's, oh, wow, not so, not so common, right? Now, it's very commonplace. And what I'm talking about is uh, the idea of statehood for Puerto Rico. This is something the Republican Party fought for, I don't know, probably two decades as part of the Republican Party's national platform. And now, because Mitch McConnell said um, that he agreed with AOC on this uh, no statehood for Puerto Rico, now lots of Republicans have jumped onto that without even thinking it through, in my opinion. So I think if McConnell and AOC like that idea, I think it's a bad idea. You know, I prefer a more nuanced position on that particular issue, like Senator Marco Rubio, because the facts remain at the last, let's just take a look at the way it went. The last governor of Puerto Rico endorsed Donald Trump for president. And the only elected official representing Puerto Rico in the United States Congress right now is a Republican. So there's no reason to really believe that McConnell's rhetoric that two additional seats in Congress would automatically become Democrat. It's, it's totally wrong. It's, it's a bad idea. But this is the genesis of a bad idea and how it works. And again, to me, it's about good ideas versus bad ideas. And we have to ask ourselves, are we thinking with our brains or are we thinking with our emotions? Knee-jerk reactions don't help. And saying things like for example here's another one from the news and we'll talk about it later saying that the word american or the word hispanic saying these words on a college campus and saying that they're harmful that's a bad idea Th this isn't the case 
saying that you won't vote anymore because you've uh, lost faith in a particular system. Well, that's also a bad idea because who do you think wins if you stop voting? Well, there you go. Look at the last election. That's what happens when you have an apathetic voter base. And we could argue that till we're blue in the face. Giving Ukraine an unending amount of money, that's also a bad idea. Allowing the federal government to circumvent our Bill of Rights through media and technology companies, oh yeah, that's a bad idea. Labeling concerned parents that go to school board meetings as domestic terrorists, that is a bad idea. Just like spending more tax dollars while inflation's at 7.1%, that's also a very bad idea. But pushing less and smaller government, I think that's a good idea. Keeping Christ and Christmas and God in America's public square, that's also a good idea. Keeping kids safe from sexual predators and groomers, really good idea. Being informed patriots, that's a good idea. And that's some advice that we got from Ronald Reagan way back when in his farewell address. And while it's lengthy, I think it's a lesson that none of us should ever forget. So listen to the words of President Ronald Reagan. This national feeling is good, but it won't count for much and it won't last unless it's grounded in thoughtfulness and knowledge. An informed patriotism is what we want. And are we doing a good enough job teaching our children what America is and what she represents in the long history of the world? Those of us who are over 35 or so years of age grew up in a different America. We were taught very directly what it means to be an American. And we absorbed almost in the air a love of country and an appreciation of its institutions. If you didn't get these things from your family, you got them from the neighborhood from the father down the street who fought in Korea, or the family who lost someone at Anzio, or you could get a sense of patriotism from school. And if all else failed, you could get a sense of patriotism from the popular culture. The movies celebrated democratic values and implicitly reinforced the idea that America was special. TV was like that too, through the mid 60s. But now we're about to enter the 90s, and some things have changed. Younger parents aren't sure that an unambivalent appreciation of America is the right thing to teach modern children. And as for those who create the popular culture, well-grounded patriotism is no longer the style. Our spirit is back, but we haven't re-institutionalized it. We've got to do a better job of getting across that America is freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise. And freedom is special and rare. It's fragile. It needs production. So we've got to teach history based not on what's in fashion, but what's important. Why the pilgrims came here, who Jimmy Doolittle was, and what those 30 seconds over Tokyo meant. You know, four years ago, on the 40th anniversary of D-Day, I read a letter from a young woman writing to her late father, who had fought on Omaha Beach. Her name was Lisa Zanata Hen, and she said, we will always remember, we will never forget what the boys of Normandy did. Well, let's help her keep her word. If we forget what we did, we won't know who we are. I'm warning of an eradication of that, of the American memory that could result ultimately in an erosion of the American spirit. Let's start with some basics. 
more attention to American history and a greater emphasis on civic ritual. And let me offer lesson number one about America. All great change in America begins at the dinner table. So tonight in the kitchen, I hope the talking begins. And children, if your parents haven't been teaching you what it means to be an American, let them know and nail them on it. That would be a very American thing to do. Let us do the American thing, because that's what we've got to do. So again, I think it's important that we don't just speak out for what we're against, but we speak out for what it is that we are for, what we support, and what we aspire to be. The the great America that we once were, we're going to get back to being that. But the only way we do that is if we try. I think so many of us have thrown our hands up and said, yeah, basta, I've had enough, no mas. But we can't. We have to stick through this fight because America's worth it, our children are worth it, and the future of this country depends on it if we want to have the country we once had. So, straight ahead, we'll continue on this conversation and a lot more, 877-381-3811, your calls and more. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and I'm in for the great one. Mark Lovin. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous New Year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. All right, America, welcome back. Our phone number, 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all of these social media. Feel free to give me a follow if you want to fight with me over there or give us a call. We could do it here on the air. And um, there's some audio clips I want to play for you. But there's also this this headline that I really wanted to get into uh, because I thought it was interesting. And I talked about it um, a little bit the other night on my show. I had a guest, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya from Stanford University. And we were talking about a different topic, but he made mention of how he was very offended that Stanford had uh, added the word American to their list of banned words, if you will. And obviously, I think any uh, red-blooded American would do that, would say, you know, that's not cool. That doesn't make sense. However, the um, university, Stanford, is replacing what they call harmful words on the university website, including American and guess what? Hispanic. (laughs) I happen to be one of those. I am brown and uh, by their standards. And I just find it funny that Stanford launched this initiative to address what they call harmful language in IT. And they're going to transform the language used across the university's website and computer programming code. 
and and I'll get into that a little bit more later. I don't mind popping into these topics and going out, but uh, they just they don't like the word American. They don't like the word Hispanic. They don't like the words preferred pronouns. And uh, and it's just interesting that they're doing this. And I find it interesting because there's so much of that going on. And honestly, it happens from from many different angles. There are a lot of people that want you to believe a lot of different things. And not the least of which is that if we were to just give up on elections because there have been irregularities. But my 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 go-to on that is you look at Carrie Lake, you look at Donald Trump, you look at those that are saying, hey, look, there was a problem with this, and d- does it stop them from running? Do they go home and go, ah, forget it, the system's rigged, I'm out. <laughs> None of them have said that. So why would I say something like that? Let's go to Josh in Connecticut. Josh, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Yeah, how you doing, Rich? Um, Wonderful, thanks. I, I Merry just Christmas. had a yeah, you too. Um, just like 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 two points, real quick. Um, the money going to Ukraine, right? I was wondering if that had anything to do with like Hunter and Joe's business dealings and stuff like that, because uh, I don't know. It seems like we're the only country doing it, and and then my other point was. Um, crap, just forgot that one. Um, it's my hair. It's my hair, Josh. My hair is so fantastic and awesome, it scares people. But I get you. And to address the first point, um, the the issue with Ukraine, I mean, and I have no way of knowing, but it, it sounds pretty crazy to me that we've given over $100 billion in aid and we haven't done that before. So I think at the very, very least, we should have some congressional oversight looking into this saying, what exactly are we doing here? And, you know, in the the beginning, it was we were giving them bombs and we were giving them this and we were giving them that that equaled X amount of dollars. And now it seems like we're just transferring cash. Uh, You know, USAID is an entity that I've never, you know, I, I mean, if I said I didn't trust them, it would be an understatement because I don't trust any part of our government. You know, you tell me office of the White House and I don't care who's president. I don't trust the government. No, you know, like Reagan said, trust but verify. So, uh, listen, I'm with you. Um, am I going to come out here and say I have proof that there's a, a solid money laundering operation going on where they send money to Ukraine and it ends up in somebody else's pocket? I have no proof of that. If I did, you know, um, I, we'd be in a better place. Uh, does it mean it's happening? I don't know. Does it mean it's not happening? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be naive enough to say that either. So I think it's something we got to look at for sure. And, and it's the same thing with these elections. You just don't give up because things are fishy. Just look at the people involved in them. They haven't given up. Neither should we. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. I am in for the great one, Mark Levin. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous new year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, It's taught its students by precept and example, the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. 
That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. So the Senate Democrats are playing it safe. Good cop, bad cop. Well, you've got their uh, crazy counterparts in the House of Representatives saying, lock him up, lock him up with the January 6th uh, referrals. Uh, The Senate uh, Democrats are saying, well, no, no. We think that would be a little bit above the fray. We don't want to do that. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, that's what they're doing. So uh, I think that's just, you know, it's Christmas week. Nobody wants to be too over the top. But, you know, you have to be able to, to let, you know, those that like to bark, let them do their barking and see what's going. Just kind of like the impeachment, right? The impeachment, it was everybody in the House was freaking out over Trump. Oh, my goodness. He spoke with Zelensky. Oh, my goodness. He said, if you want this, you want that, blah, blah, blah. We've got to impeach this guy. He's the worst thing ever. And... When it gets to the Senate, they're like, nah, you know, because nah, you know, nah, we're not doing it. It's a game. It's a game, and we've been seeing this game played for a long time before Trump and after Trump. It's always going to be a game, and we have to learn how to play the game and realize it's a game. Uh, maybe that's why I guess I survive in this is that I, I don't have the expectation of a utopian Washington, D.C. I don't believe you can drain the swamp entirely. I believe you can try to empty it out and expose the alligators and, you know, maybe even pick off a couple of the alligators and get rid of it. Thin the alligator population. I believe it all. But I don't know that you entirely drain the swamp and get rid of all the alligators. And it's because of guys like Mitch McConnell. Good old Mitch. I got to come up with a name for Mitch. Like a good middle initial like Mitch the something McConnell. A word with an M comes to mind, but I can't use that on the radio. So Mitch the bloop, 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 McConnell, um, he's talking about giving money to Ukraine. And he's, listen, this is the most important priority for most Republicans, don't you know? Listen to this. Making sure the Defense Department can deal <clears throat> with the major threats coming from Russia and China, providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. That's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the th- challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment. Now, uh, this is my McConnell, if I, it's like a turtle. And if I, if your mother drove a truck, she'd be a mother trucker. Mitch the mother trucker McConnell. All right, so that's Mitch the mother trucker McConnell. And he says that this is the uh, the number one thing to most Republicans. Now, if there's a Republican out there listening to this show, and this is the most important thing to you to give more money to Ukraine, and listen, I'm one of the pro-Ukraine people. I think we need to support Ukraine. I'm not a pro-Putin patriot. I think we should support them because America has that role. And I know Nine out of ten of you disagree with me. That's fine. But I still don't think we should be giving away the money hand over fist. Anyway, we continue because with Mitch, uh, the mother trucker, McConnell, comes uh, his friend, Joel Baboso Biden. who's at a press conference with uh, Volodymyr Zelensky today. And uh, good old Joel Baboso and Volodymyr, President Volodymyr to you, uh, he says that we've never seen a major invasion of a European country since World War II like this one. Check this out. I've never seen NATO or the EU more united about anything at all. And uh, I see no sign of there being any change. We all know what's at stake here. Our European partners all the more so. 
They fully understand it. This is about, we've never seen a major invasion of a European country since World War II. And they see no signs that, that Putin is going to do anything to change that unless we resist and we help the Ukrainians resist. So he's never seen Russia invade a country like this or any invasion like this since World War II. But yet when Joel Baboso Biden, the president, was vice president in 2014, Russia invaded Ukraine to take Crimea, which they called an annexation, you know, to, to euphemize it. I mean, the guy either forgets or he's just a liar or a little bit of both. But it's funny to me, and I just, I, I, gotta, I see a message here uh, from Stephen in Miami. He says, Jock Itch McConnell. <laughs> eh, I don't know. I'm, gonna, I'm taking votes. You can let me know online on Twitter or something. Uh, let me know if Jock Itch McConnell versus Mitch the Mother Trucker McConnell. I don't know which one is better. I'm open to those. You don't have to call because there aren't many lines open. But um, I want to continue on this vein because I think it's interesting, right? It's interesting that you've got... Um, Biden there, Zelensky's there. Zelensky to me is an opportunist, right? He's an equal opportunity guy. When Trump was there, he was like, "What? Well, listen, there was no pressure. There was no pressure from Trump. He vouched for Trump. You know, I guess as far as presidents of Ukraine go, he's probably uh, the least toxic, if you will, uh, in my opinion, from the ones we've seen, from the ones that we installed in the days of Obama to the ones that took him out afterwards and then went to their own corruption, uh, because, you know, that's kind of the, the, the lay of the land over there. Now, this doesn't mean we let we let them die and let Russia take all of Ukraine. And now Russia has Ukraine and now they're bigger and badder and stronger. And they're just flipping the proverbial F.U. friendship finger to the United States saying, what kind of superpower are you? It's like somebody robbing an old lady in front of you and you're a bodybuilder and you decide to go, listen, it's not my problem. Not my problem. I'm spending money in my own country. I'm defending my own mother. I'm not taking care of that. That old lady, she's somebody else's grandmother. And you do nothing, people are going to look at you like a punk. And that's exactly how they look at the United States. And that's the bottom line there. This is why I say we can't abandon these people. We just can't. Not to mention, you know, all of the, uh, the history that we have and these um, uh, memorandums of understanding and security assurances, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a whole different story. Uh, but not to belabor that point, I have some more audio that I wanted to share with you. Here we go. Let's see this next one up because I'm kind of telling a story here. It's Nancy La Bruja Pelosi. Of course, she weighs in. Now, this cast of characters, Joel Baboso Biden, Mitch, the mother trucker uh, McConnell, they're, they're all there. These are the people that are in the swamp. And once nobody could really see them, they were under the cover of the very high waters of the swamp. Then came El Trompito and all this Magnus. He came and he drained the swamp so you could see that these people were the alligators in the swamp. So people see it now, but we still need to drain it a little bit more. It may not completely empty out, but once you drained it enough where you you can see the heads of the alligators. You start picking them off. This way you start to thin that population. Nancy Pelosi says that he is a complete total hero, Zelensky. And his visit to the Capitol would bring honor to Congress, right? Because what honors Congress is... Zelensky, what honors Congress is trying to indict a former president, raid their home in Florida, Mar-a-Lago. These are the things that honor Congress, not to mention hammer fights and... San Diego, or San Francisco, rather. Let us continue with Nancy Pelosi. To have an out, complete, total hero in the Congress of the United States, fighting for democracy, leading people who are fighting for democracy, would bring honor to the Congress of the United States. Uh, he, uh, I saw him there in Kiev 
it was overwhelming to see the uh, courage of the people of Ukraine, their commitment to democracy, and in fighting Putin's assault on democracy, they are fighting for democracy for all of us. What message would you share with us, with uh, Zelensky, regarding the House Republican majority that might be less supportive of that? I don't know if that's the case. I don't feel very strong about the bipartisan support. That may not mean unanimous, but it does mean strong. Spoken like a true politician, Nancy La Bruja Pelosi, she put down her broom for just a second to say, I don't really talk about blah, 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 blah. I feel strong about bipartisan support. <laughs> it was just so funny. You can't hear a word she says, but she's like the ultimate quintessential politician. And again, like so many things in Washington, I think oftentimes we uh, we make a black and white issue out of things that tend to be a little bit gray, right? That's the reality of things. I live in talk radio world, and in talk radio world, things are that that's good. This is bad. And listen, I'm guilty of it because I'm allowed to call things the way I see them. However, that doesn't mean that I'm a legislator. You know, I often say Trump was like the first talk radio president because he actually um, governed that way. And, uh, and I got to be frank, it was very refreshing. But at the same time, you saw the obstacles that were, you know, presented when you threaten Mitch the mother trucker McConnell, when you threaten Nancy La Bruja Pelosi and threaten to take away her broom. What do you think happens? People get very, very, very salty that their gravy train is about to dry up because some guy that's independently wealthy leaves his skyscraper in New York City, grabs his supermodel wife and his kid and moves into their swamp and says, no, well, you know what? I'm not going to take a paycheck and I'm going to do everything I can to drain this swamp. So it's brought about a whirlwind of problems for El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, and his family, his friends, his associates. And we've seen that play out. We can get into that, but we do that a lot. I really want to focus on the Zelensky thing, or at least put a pin in the Zelensky thing, because I think ultimately we have to say, look, we've given you this much. You've made some gains. When you are POTUS, the president of the United States, you have to be Joe Biden, right? Joe El Baboso. And I have to envision this, and I say, you grab a telephone, and you get on the phone and say, hello, hey, what's going on, President Duda in Poland? Hey, how you doing? Hey, you're, you ain't black. All right, now listen, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go over here, and you're going to put this over there, and, and you put start, you know, you, you pressure NATO. You, you call the allies over there, and you get them to do stuff for you. You leverage your influence as President of the United States. And you make things happen. You call Vlad, not the least of which, and you say, hey, Vlad, listen, pal, buddy, you ain't black. And uh, I just, you know, I got hairy legs. And I, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're going to bomb the crap out of you if you don't cut it out. You know, Or you start a little bit softer. You know, and, and again, I'm being very hyperbolic and I'm making a joke out of a serious uh, situation. But my point is Biden isn't doing enough. He's not doing anything to try and make things better or make things right. At least that's my take on it. 877-381-3811. Let us go to Mark in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mark, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hey, thank you very much. Pleasure to speak to you. Yes, you sir. know, our, our you, great likewise. Senator Bob Casey, who's who's never had an independent thought since he got into the Senate. All his thoughts come straight from Schumer's. Yes, but I think now that Mitch McConnell is an influence on him saying that, you know, we have to support Ukraine. Because he said, uh, Casey said that if you do not support this ominous bill, you do not support Ukraine. Well, first of all, they should be two separate bills. We should not be voting and then be able to use this crazy talking point. You know, make people 
uh, stick up for for what they're saying there. But, um, yeah, I, I just – this whole omnibus bill is a thing – Bob Casey's just ridiculous. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, not only is Casey ridiculous, I, I think you hit it on the head when you said when, when you've got McConnell and Schumer colluding in the middle of the night and doing what they've got to do to get as much cash together and, you know, this final cash grab that we're seeing in cities all across America where they're, you know, smash and grab robberies. This is a smash and grab robbery of tax dollars that's happening. It's their Christmas shopping fund, right? And they're going to go and they're going to do whatever they want because they know that Republicans who are likely to go and a lot more conservatively than McConnell ever has, are going to uh, ruin their system, their system, their gravy train, whatever you want to call it, and they don't like that. So they're trying to do everything they can to make sure they get what they want. And you're right. These things shouldn't be in an omnibus bill. People should have uh, way more say in this. We, the people, should be weighing in on this by way of our representatives You know, in this wonderful constitutional republic that we have, but yet we're not. And that is a huge part of the problem. And when you you, you make an example of those few, in my opinion, um, when we can, right? Because we've ran some good candidates uh, against uh, guys like Schumer, Joe Pinion, excellent candidate uh, for for somebody running against you know a million year incumbent who you know he's probably a, a, an urchin, right? He's connected to the swamp. Um, Mr. Schumer, uh, who I've known since I was a kid. This guy used to mess up my hair when I was a little kid on Ocean Avenue. He had an office not far from where my apartment was. But these guys, these are the people that we need to take out. Anyway, more on the rest of the news of the day and some of my thoughts on that, plus your calls. I'm always looking forward to speak with everybody across America. 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. In for the great one. Mark Levin. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous New Year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. All right, America, welcome back. Feliz Navidad. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all of the social media. And our telephone number is 877-381-3811. It is the Mark Levin Show. My uh, privilege, my honor, it's a... it's always uh, so much fun to be here with you guys, the Levinites. I am a Levinite, and uh, that's why I love hanging out with you guys. Even if I uh, was um, ever, bru- uh, I'm not going to say brutish, I'll say curt or rude as in my role as Mr. Call Screener. It's like being a bouncer in many ways for the program, you know? You, you have to be like, hey, you got ID? All right, you come in. You, you don't get it. And sometimes, you know, whether you're a nice guy or not a nice guy, that's the job, and sometimes you got to, you know, bounce people out of here. But I want to go to your calls. Let's go to Phil in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Phil, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. 
Hey, look, I just want to thank the fine, brilliant people of Stanford for inspiring me because of this terrible word, America. I want them to inspire me by returning all the funding that they get from anything connected with America because of that terrible word, America. I want them to inspire me by firing every American liberal professor and teacher because, you know, America. And finally, I'd like them to inspire me by taking Stanford from the very ground up and taking it to whatever wonderful hole in the world they want to take it to, other than this country, this terrible country, America, that they hate so much. And finally, I'd like to say to every person at Stanford, Merry Christmas and Jesus Christ loves you. Well said, uh, Phil. I appreciate that. And you know what? I I feel your frustration. It is so frustrating when people, uh, you know, decide to poo-poo this great nation, the greatest nation on God's green earth. Why? Well, I mean, I don't know. Let's see. Outside of uh, the invention of the automobile or air conditioning or the light bulb or electricity or so many of the wonderful technological and medical innovations we've come up with, People still have room to hate America, to hate the free market, to hate the fact that we have liberty. And uh, it is it's shocking. But what's more shocking to me as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that there is an active movement to usurp what America was for those of us that are listening and are sympathetic. Right. Where we um, we believe in liberty. And like Reagan said, get off my back and out of my pocket and, you know, let me do what I got to do to people that are willing to sacrifice having children so that they can be a a permanent part of a revolution. And that's the part where I say, I already had my kids. If I knew what I knew today, when I was, you know, in my early 20s, when I got married and had kids, uh, maybe I would have also opted to not have kids. So I would have recruited myself, drafted myself for this fight. I would have skipped the, you know, 20 years that I worked in corporate America and said, screw this, I'm going to take on the left. I didn't know the, 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 Culture war was so deeply entrenched, but it is. Uh, let me see. I think I talked too much now, and now we've got a break coming up. Uh, let us go to Judy really quickly. Judy had a quick comment. Judy, go right ahead. Okay. I'm wondering if the rather divisive news max, max uh, question, if the people want DeSantis or Trump Uh, I don't think anybody listening knows what you're talking about because we weren't on that topic. But uh, the comment says we need more patriots like Trump and DeSantis, and I agree with that 100%. Thank you, Judy. And uh, I don't think Newsmax is divisive. I think they're actually on the level. Uh, I'm on there once a week or so. So check it out and uh, uh, give us a call when we come back. Hour number two coming straight ahead. Rich Valdez in for the great one. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Did you know that families earning a half a million dollars a year can receive Obamacare subsidies? Or that in some states, unemployment insurance benefits can be the equivalent of a job with an annual play, uh, pay excuse me, of a hundred grand a year. 
That's uh, in a piece in the New York Post, an opinion piece by Steve Moore, uh, E.J. Anthony, and Casey Mulligan. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But first, I wanted to talk about uh, something that's been going on for a while, right? So I remember doing a show maybe a year ago where a professor uh, made some interesting comments. And then, uh, then some therapists made some additional comments. But first, what made me remember this was just a few days ago, uh, last week, uh, Congresswoman Katie Porter from California, she says in a hearing that the term pedophile alleges that a person is a criminal merely because of their sexual orientation and gender identity. Listen to this. You know, this allegation of groomer and pedophile, it is alleging that a person is criminal somehow and engaged in criminal acts merely because of, of their identity, um, their sexual orientation, their gender identity. Um, so this is clearly prohibited under Twitter's content, yet you found hundreds of these posts on the platform. All right, so she's talking about uh, obviously how people were violating Twitter's terms of service uh, and saying that pedophilia, this is the, the, you know, she's burying the lead here. The, the big story here is that pedophilia is not a gender identity, right? It's not a sexual orientation, nor should it ever be. And if you're just joining us, this is the Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, by the way. And I really do want to get your opinion on this because uh, maybe I'm just the only one that thinks this is kind of crazy. 866-505-4626 is the, tel- I'm sorry, thank you, correction, different number, different show. 877-381-3811. Is the phone number eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one, and uh, I do want to hear what your take on this is because I, I know my take, and I when I hear Representative Katie Porter say that pedophilia alleges that a person is a criminal merely because of their sexual orientation and gender identity, we've got a problem because nobody should say I identify as a child molester, and this is where they they draw the exception. They say no, 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 Rich Valdez, you are wrong. Just because someone says that they are attracted to small children does not mean that they are molesters of small children. Doesn't mean they act on it. It just means that's what they're attracted to. And to make these people into criminals is wrong because they haven't committed the crime. And I'll add in yet because I believe that these people will not uh, function in society unless they are feeding their evil need to feed this desire that they have. But worse than someone that's, you know, afflicted by this demonic craziness known as pedophilia is even worse people that are sympathizing and trying to cover. It's one thing to be forgiving. It's another thing to aid and abet someone that wants to hurt children. And that is what I hear Representative Katie Porter saying, that we're treating these people poorly, that Twitter needs to ban the speech of people that are calling people groomers uh, as if you know, groomer has a negative connotation and probably because it does, right? Because it's not a good thing to groom a child into uh, sexual content that is no bueno, right? I mean, this is serious business here. Um, I, I personally take exception. I think it's wrong. And when I heard Professor Alan Walker, who is, I believe, goes by the term non-binary, uh, but I do believe he presents as a male today and was born as a female, Alan A-L-L-Y-N Walker, saying, we shouldn't say pedophiles. We should say minor attracted persons. Listen to this. 
Um, I use the term minor attracted person or MAP uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, first of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. Um, and MAP advocacy groups like Before You Act um, have advocated for use of the term MAP. Um, they've advocated for it primarily because it's less stigmatizing than other terms like pedophile. Uh, a lot of people, when they hear the term pedophile, they automatically assume that it means a sex offender. Uh, and that isn't true, and it leads to a lot of misconceptions about attractions toward minors. Um, I've definitely heard the idea that you brought up, though, that the use of the term False. minor attracted person suggests that it's okay to be attracted to children. Uh, but using a term that communicates who someone is attracted to uh, doesn't indicate anything about the morality of that attraction. Okay, I see a lot of people are responding to, to this with their phone calls. Um, and uh, I agree, this is kind of outrageous. The the idea here that this is um, Alan Walker again, an openly transgender professor at the um, or postdoctoral fellow, excuse me, at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health and wrote the book in 2021, A Long Dark Shadow, Minor Attracted People and Their Pursuit of Dignity. And again, just those words strung together as a phrase. I think this is problematic. Now, people might say, Rich, you're a bigot. You're a homophobe. You're a pedophilophobe or whatever it is that it's called when you don't like pedophiles. Um, I'm probably guilty of that. I don't think that's a good thing. I happen to be a dad. I have two children ages 17 and 21. And I think we, we as Americans, we have to stop saying, you know, I'm just minding my business. If you see someone else's kid potentially being injured, hurt, harmed in some sort of danger, it's incumbent upon you as a human being, as an adult, to say something, to do something, right? I mean, in, in many states, um, there's many professions that are what they call mandatory reporters, but I think, uh, not to over-spiritualize anything, but you know, in God's eyes, aren't we all kind of uh, mandatory reporters here? If you see somebody doing something to a kid, it's your job to be like, yo, hold up, wait a minute, chill, stop, can't do that. Anyway, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong here, but that's Professor Alan Walker. And the idea that we should normalize pedophilia or um, somehow make it more acceptable, change into more flowery language like minor attracted persons and differentiate between the map and the sex offender are two different things. And obviously the next step is going to be, well, well, they're not sex offenders. They are minor attracted persons, and we've had prosecutors downgrade them where it's a disorderly person's offense, so they're not even felons, and they're not really even on the sex offender registry, right? And that's how you play games where you create a new truth for things, and what is isn't anymore, right? So what you have is a person that is going after children, that is grooming children, whether they are a teacher, whether they are uh, an administrator, whether they're in some form of, uh, of authority over a child, and taking action for themselves, for their whatever, just like a week ago, right? Uh, James O'Keefe had a story where he um, had an undercover video of a dean of a school, a private school, and the guy said that they were passing around, I don't even know I could say these things on the radio, but like you know, sex toys and <clears throat> that are used in different orifices and passing them around to the students in the class. And the guy was very, very flip in his response. And <laughs> yeah, we were passing around the butt plug and blah, 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 and this and that. And I said, oh my gosh, what is going on here? And this is to a classroom, I think it was fifth and sixth graders, if I'm not mistaken, if I am mistaken, forgive me. But I think it was a fifth and sixth graders and the school went up to high school. And 
when he was approached by O'Keefe and his, you know, famous, hey, so-and-so, I'm James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, the guy, you know, he, he freaks out, he starts to run away because he realizes, you know, he was caught on tape. And this should outrage people, but I don't know that it is. And it's gotten so bad that it's to the point where we now have even people that are therapists, people that we would think um, uh, they're here to help. They're here to uh, provide some sort of guidance, even what they call sex therapists. There's one here from August of 2022. And uh, agreeing, we don't say pedophiles. We say minor attracted persons. Listen to this one. And today I want to talk about minor attracted persons. And I want to talk about minor attracted persons because they are probably the most vilified population of folks in our culture. And most folks are making incorrect assumptions about them without actually knowing much about them. And those assumptions create harm for an already marginalized population. You may have noticed that I'm using the term minor attracted persons, sometimes abbreviated to MAPS, instead of the more commonly used term pedophile. And I'm doing this because the term pedophile has moved from being a diagnostic label to being a judgmental, hurtful insult that we hurl at people in order to harm them or slander them. I also prefer person-first language that recognizes that any label we might apply to a person is only part of who they are and doesn't represent everything. Yeah, uh, listen, um, Rich Valdez, broadcaster. Does that describe everything I am? No, I'm a jerk. I'm a nice guy. I'm lots of different things to, you know, different people. Depends who you ask, right? You ask my kids when I tell them they can't have this or they can't do that. They're, they're sure they have a few choice words. Uh, you ask uh, somebody who didn't get on the radio show the way they wanted to, they probably have a few choice words. You ask by and large, most people say, you know what? I think the guy shoots pretty straight and he's a, in, entertaining and informative. Okay, got it. Cool. I'm different things to different people. Everybody has a different perception. So when you say that you don't want to put a label on somebody that's this and that, you're full of crap. Eso es embuste. That's a lie. And we have to start calling these people out and saying, excuse me. Excuse me. What you're saying is not true. What you're saying is a bold-faced lie. Because otherwise, we're, we're just going to continue to kind of snowball and snowball and snowball down into this society. And this is... Um, this is a big problem. Let's go to Tucson, Arizona. I want to check in with Lynn. Lynn, what's up? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hi, Rich. You know what? I'm so glad that you've reached this topic because I've been waiting for someone to talk about this for a minute. And I'm one of the people, I guess, who agrees with you. I've been concerned for a minute that... Um, people try to downplay being attracted to children and trying to give it a nicer name. And I think I, I can't recall the exact comment that the president made, but it was a few months ago where he was talking and he said something and he said something about a young lady. He said, oh, but that was back when I was 30 and she was 13. And ha, 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 and the crowd just laughed. And I said, what the hell are they laughing at? That's the, one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard. But it came out the president's mouth, so I guess that made it okay. And so when you look at the fact that um, if you're attracted to minors, you may not have done anything, but there's the potential there for you to do something illegal. I mean, if I had a little girl who was seven years old and you're a grown, a man looking at my child, um, I, 
I would I would be up I would feel some kind of way and I feel like people who say they're attracted to children that leaves the potential for things to happen and getting it to be more acceptable. And I think it's something that people should talk about. I don't think it should be downplayed to, what did you say, minor attracted? No, you're a future pedophile. You're a pedophile if you're with someone who's eight, nine, ten years old and you're a grown adult. It's just not appropriate. And us trying to downplay it and make it seem like it's something that's less than it is, I think that's just wrong on so many levels. And I've been waiting for someone to talk about it because it seems like when when you bring it up, people have insults to throw at you, but you're throwing insults the wrong way. Yeah, I, thank you, Lynn. I appreciate that. And I agree with you. I think it's it's high time that we, we don't ignore this. There is a movement afoot. Uh, and it's coming from somewhere, right? And I, I've traced it back through my own research, and maybe the next time I'm around or on my show, I'm going to do a deep dive into this. But a lot of this has, the normalization of pedophilia has a lot to do with Dr. Alfred Kinsey and his work on sexual, uh, on, on what is uh, it's called? Um, something sexuality. I'll get you the term in a moment. But he, he tried to normalize this into an acceptable form of sexuality that we should um, accept and saying that these things, there's fluidity in all uh, sexual orientations and that, we, you know, this is just one more gradient on that spectrum. And that idea while it may be true, you know, I mean, there are pedophiles. There are people that are of all different persuasions. There's bestiality and there's this, there's that and the other thing. But that doesn't mean that it's safe and healthy and right for children. So I think it's incumbent upon us, those that are maybe in the middle or wherever on that spectrum we are, that we can, you know, kind of draw a bracket around it and call it societally acceptable, normal, legal, uh, whatever term you want to give it. Uh, good and holy, whatever. But it's our job to make sure we're looking out for these children because otherwise we're in bad shape. Your calls and more. I got a little bit more on this topic and we've got a lot to discuss tonight, so don't go anywhere. This is the Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez. We're coming right back. Mark Levin. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. All right, America, welcome back. It's the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Valdez, Mr. Call Screener, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Our phone number is 877-381-3811. And uh, we're going to get to your calls in a second. We're also going to discuss uh, the economy and what's going on with the latest in Biden's economy a little bit in the um, upcoming segment. But right now, I want to go to uh, one of the calls. There was a call here that was right on topic, 
and I wanted to get to it. Let's see, was it, do, 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 what state was that? New York, New York, yeah, a lot of New York in here tonight. Big shout out to New York. Um, I think it was, let's see here. We, uh, yes, JB in Rochester, New York. How you doing, sir? Wonderful, thank you. Feliz Navidad, Merry Christmas. Hey, all right. You know, it's nice that you say that because nowadays you gotta be careful what you say at the holiday times. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Well, I'm running through walls over here. I'm going to be honest with you. i got to catch my breath because the bottom line is I don't care about religion. I don't care about people's face and what. The bottom line with this pedophilia thing, I warned people way back. And just bear with me on a little story I have. Well, we don't have short, that much time, so get to the bottom line quickly. Okay. Yeah, okay, you got it. So basically, a radio show up here talked about back in the day that LGBTQ, one, two, three thing, whatever was going to go to a P at the end for pedophile. And it was like this talk show and these people in this talk show ended up getting in trouble for it or whatever. So that said, I was telling people about it. Well, it's big in my life because I had a cousin touch me when I was a kid. And when I said something, uh -huh. and this is way before see some say something, people put me down and said I lied. And then 20 years later, he ended up getting in trouble for shit, whatever. So it ruined my life for me growing up, not thinking like whatever. But the bottom line is, it's it's not even about the Bible. It's not even about it's about that child. It's about what they do to that kid. And I mean, I remember growing up that we couldn't have certain words and books in English. I and mean, you know, you had you know, I was a don't don't ask, don't tell, and then that's gone. And then you know, growing up, the birds and the bees. And I was like, I don't have kids, thank God. But I wouldn't want to tell my kids about the bees and the bees and the birds. It's too much. So. Basically, yeah, listen, the music means we got to go, JB. I'm sorry for what you went through. And that's exactly what I think we need to protect other children from. And you're right. Uh, this isn't about religion. This is about protecting children and normalizing the endangerment of children. That's crazy. That needs to end. We need to take a stand against that. And there is more to come straight ahead. Lots still to come with me, Rich Valdez, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. All right, happy Wednesday, happy hump day. It's the Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And um, Vladimir, uh, Volodymyr, excuse me, Volodymyr Zelensky, President Zelensky of Ukraine, uh, was in Washington today hanging out with Joe El Baboso Biden, and we talked about that in the first hour. And um, I want to continue what is happening in the news, but there's a, a few things I want to mention. First, I, I remember doing this show on Mark's affiliate, WMAL. We were there last, uh, I think it was last Wednesday, a week ago today. 
And uh, there was an audio clip from that day of Jerome Powell talking about how things are going to be horrible, they're going to get worse before they get better, that type of thing. And we'll play it for you in a second. And it, to me, it comes to mind because we are here days before Christmas, and I don't want to you know, shock and awe anybody with the state of the economy, but it's an interesting state of affairs that we're in. So I'm going to play this audio clip for you. Check this out. So I, I, just, I don't think anyone knows uh, whether we're going to have a recession or not. And if we do, whether it's going to be a deep one or not. It's just, it's not knowable. And um, certainly, uh, you know, lower inflation reports, were they to continue for a period of time, would, would increase the likelihood of, of a, so I would put it this way, of, a, of a, a return to price stability that involves significantly less, uh, less of an increase in unemployment than would be expected given the historical record. Now, as earlier I mentioned that it, the uh, piece from Steve Moore and E.J. Anthony and Casey Mulligan uh, says it pays to not work in Biden's America, and here's the proof. And I'm going to read you a little bit of it, because most Americans believe, as we do, in a reliable government safety net here in America, so that when people fall on tough times or lose their jobs, their families don't go hungry. They don't lose their homes or suffer deprivation. But most Americans also believe that government assistance should be short term and aimed at quickly getting people back on their feet into a job and on the road to being financially self-reliant and a contributor to our economy. But today's welfare programs are failing to accomplish that goal. Did you know that families earning half a million dollars a year? Now, again, this is a whole family earning a half million dollars a year. They can get subsidized Obamacare. I didn't know that. <laughs> I did not know that. And I'm wondering how that happens. Uh, because I looked into that recently and I was like, I can't get some of that. Um, anyway, or in uh, some states, unemployment insurance benefits can be as much as a job that pays $100,000 a year. Now, it's shocking, but it's true. And it might explain why so many businesses can't get workers back on the job almost three years after the COVID-19 pandemic. There are still at least 3 million fewer Americans working today than there were in 2019. The good old Trump economy. Anyway, it uh, goes on saying that the middle class is last because there's a lot of reasons for the worker shortage. But one is that in many states, welfare pays more than half or excuse me, more than nearly as much as middle class jobs do. Under President Obama's and, Pres and Biden's, uh, many thought the uh, requirements were, were too much, but this is what they were, and they instituted the historic 1996 bipartisan welfare reforms, and they've been eviscerated, often limiting the benefits, and they're disappearing while Congress and states have made their state-level benefits more generous. So, you know, there was a federal cap on things, and they kind of went around things using states and getting money from Congress to make these states um, have the money or to allow the states to do this so this is interesting to me because this would skew a lot of numbers right people wouldn't think that a family earning five hundred thousand dollars a year family of four would qualify for different types of subsidies or that you could earn up to a hundred thousand dollars a year in unemployment because you know I, I know a few people on there that uh somebody today just told me they're like you know and that's what they told me they said i just lost a job the guy was a construction worker or uh like a carpenter handyman type of job and he said, I'm making just about as much as I did working that, as I am staying home. He said, so what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to stay home. Uh, but it wasn't 100 grand a year. And that's what I, what I thought was interesting. But in 24 states, unemployment benefits and Obamacare subsidies for a family of four with no one working 
are the annualized equivalent of at least the national median household. That's interesting. That's, that's something like 60-something thousand a year, last I checked. Uh, a family member making almost a quarter of a million dollars annually still qualifies for Obamacare health care subsidies in every state. Now, while that's true, the subsidy's not that much. You're still paying a lot of money on one of those plans. Uh, let's see. What else do we get here? In a dozen states, the value of unemployment benefits and Obamacare subsidies exceeds the salary and benefits of the average teacher, construction worker, electrician, firefighter, truck driver, machinist, or retail associate. In New Jersey, a family of four can receive benefits of, let's see, the equal to an annualized income of $108,000 a year with no one working. In Connecticut and New Jersey, a family earning $300,000 a year can receive Obamacare subsidies. Let's see, it goes on. To be clear, unemployment insurance is at least time limited to six months in most states. But while Americans are receiving those benefits, the financial incentive to jump into the job market is low. In addition, people moving in and out of the unemployment system, working enough months until they again qualify for benefits, is adding to the problem. The numbers also don't include the rampant fraud payments that exceed $100 billion a year. This means families that are not technically eligible for food stamps or continued unemployment benefits are still receiving them. And, and it's a really good piece and it goes on and maybe I'll reference it again in a moment. But it just, it sheds light to me of so much of what's happening in our current system where it's like, man, this is not a good look, right? This is, we, we need an economic policy uh, plan that's gonna say, look, we want people to invest in the economy. We want entrepreneurs to take risks. We want people to earn money. That's the only way you move forward. And I think that's what we saw in the time of Trump. There were more and more restaurants open. This, if you listen to me often, and if today's your first time, welcome. My name is Rich Valdez. I'm in for the great one today. But I oftentimes talk about getting a cup of coffee every day, which I do. I got a cup of espresso at a Cuban restaurant that's close to my house. And, and, and Cuban immigrant, the guy, you know, he's been in the United States for 20 years. And we have great philosophical and political discussions. They're terrific. But my point in that is that place opened two years ago. I think it opened on January 6, 2020. And and it's interesting to me that the, this is just one example of a business that opened up during Trump's uh, time in office. So I think um, the the policies, or 2019 rather, the policies that we have right now are leading us in the direction that we ought not go in. All right, anyway, 877-381-3811. Uh, let us go to Tom in Glendora, California. Tom, welcome. Hey, thank you very much, Mr. Lovable Latino Amigo. Uh, <laughs> what I've got to say refers to your opening comments at the start of the show, but equally pertinent this hour. You had yes. talked about good and bad ideas. Well, I would assert in the last three years we have frighteningly fallen as a country to the point where it is literally good, meaning God, versus evil, the devil. And Mark Levin nailed it, the great one. American Marxists 
and Marx was a devil worshiper. The great book by Paul Kanger, The Devil and Karl Marx, proves that. So in, in very real terms, I'm not being hateful, the Democrats, by embracing Marx, are doing the work of the devil, and history shows you're either on God's side and you're good, or you're on the devil's side and you're evil. Human nature without God stinks. So I would assert we have got to get back to God immediately. MAGA, make America godly again. As good Christian warriors, we should fight nobly, not viciously, but nobly, and nonviolently if possible, and not stand up for the absolute tidal wave of evil crap, part of which was painfully delineated recently, this crap that, oh, you know, pedophiles, you're really just like little children. Come on, acknowledge evil, fight it. The Bible commands us to. And what did God say about the abuse of little children? better to tie a millstone around your neck and jump in the river. This is just one of many evils that Joe Biden and the Democrat Marxists have perpetrated. Thank you for being a good Christian warrior and keep the fight. Pray, fight nobly. You said it all in three great Spanish words, Rich. Vaya con Dios. Oh, thank you, Tom. Very kind of you. I appreciate it. I'm glad you told us how you really feel. And uh, always a pleasure to hear from you, sir. Let us uh, take one more here, because right on topic here, Mike. Mike, uh, I don't know where you're calling from, but I'm guessing it's Jersey. You want to talk about your business. Go right ahead, sir. Mike, are you Hello? with us? Yes, go for it. You're on the air Is with America. Me? That's you. Oh, okay. Hey, so listen, I'm I'm in Texas, actually. Oh, Texas. So okay. uh, you're calling Biden, Bob Oso. So actually, I say it's Bob the Bear because also in Spanish is bear, right? So he's Bob Oso, <laughs> Bob the Bear Oso. There you go, right? Okay. Yep. Anyway, so look, so I own a, I own a painting business. I'm a contractor. I'm having trouble getting help all the time now. People don't want to work because they're getting too much money to sit at home, and I get a call at least once a week from people that tell me, hey, I'll work for you for cash because I can't be on the books because if I am, then I lose my benefits. I tell them, go to, you know, where. Anyways, I'm having a log home built out here for me and my wife also in Concan, in Concan, Texas, and the same issue. It took them a little while to get here, right, the uh, the crew to put the logs together and all that kind of stuff. They're framing it out right now. But they're, he told me they're having the same problem. People don't want to work because they're making too much to sit at home. I say cut those benefits off and make them work for their money. Yeah, and I think you're, you're, you're on to something there. It's what we've always done in America. We made unemployment the safety net that was ever-present for people uh, when they needed it, but it was finite. It lasted for just a little bit of time, and now it's become a... a you know, there's more and more extensions and more and more extensions. And listen, I understand in difficult times, these things happen. We saw it in 2008 with the economic collapse. And I, there's always going to be an argument for it. But ultimately, the, the number one argument has to be for people, for b people being self-reliant, for people going towards economic liberty so that they're not reliant upon the government because otherwise we're headed down a road that's very unsustainable kind of like Hayek talked about uh, this road to serfdom that's really where we're headed Mike I thank you for your comments and something um, um, the caller from Glendora California Tom what he mentioned he said that Marx was a devil worshiper if anybody's doubting that I, I'm not saying that he was or wasn't I will say that uh, I'll give you Marx's words Right. One of the things he says, and this is a quote from Karl Marx, he says, quote, my soul, once true to God, is chosen for hell.
he also says, thus heaven I've forfeited, I know it full well. So he sent his own soul to hell, he's forfeited heaven, that's Karl Marx in a poem in 1837, uh, a decade before he wrote his manifesto, and you could you can find this stuff in Paul Kenward's book, uh, it's a great book, uh, The Devil and Karl Marx, but this is the the destiny for Marx's ideology really is is that which really ultimately rejects um, anything that has to do with God. So anyway, we're going to continue uh, this conversation with all of you, the Levinites, and uh, this national conversation that we're having and enjoying. 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez. We're coming right back. Mark Levin. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Or at least the Democrats, uh, the media, they always want to talk trash on our buddy Jim Jordan when they see him without a jacket on and, you know, try to take a swipe at him. But yet Vladimir, Volodymyr Zelensky is here. He's uh, sharing the presidential podium here as a head of state in the White House. He's got a sweatshirt on. I mean, I mean, you know, it's okay to break character for once and go from wartime Zelensky to President Zelensky. He could have shaved. You know, I think uh, it's appropriate to put on a tie and a jacket and, you know, He's not on a, on a war zone, in a war field. And, and listen, I, I, I support what's going on there. You know, I think he's, he's the lesser of two evils when it comes to, to Putin and Zelensky. But um, that was just that observation. And uh, Joe Biden, he's uh, bringing down gas prices by draining the strategic reserve. I don't know if uh, that's a good idea. Okay, I do know. That's a bad idea. We're talking about bad ideas. That's definitely a bad idea. Anyway, I want to wrap up some of these calls before we go into our next hour. So I want to check in with uh let's see dennis in missouri go right ahead sir it's rich valdez welcome hey hey rich how are you nice talking to you yes sir feliz navidad i'm doing well rich. thank you thank you yeah i just got a comment i'm gonna go ahead and let you answer when i get through back in 2017 i got hurt and i was listening to what you're talking about all the welfare these money people making all this money on welfare mm -hmm. and getting all this benefits I just I just adopted my grandkids. I got hurt at work. I couldn't draw unemployment benefits. I didn't. I made too much money, and they gave me a one-time payment of thirteen dollars for food stamps. So I raised my grandkids for that for the rest of the time. I thought it was pretty funny. Listen to what you have to say, and then listen wow. to what they told me. 
But I appreciate um, the call. Thank you. No, thank you, Dennis. I appreciate it. And God bless you for being there for your uh, for your grandkids, because uh, Lord knows we 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 need the family structure today more than we've ever needed it before. At least in my lifetime, I can say that's what I've observed. Uh, man, thirteen bucks to raise your grandkids. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And w- there's a lot of reform that's needed in a lot of places. Uh, that's all I can say. I'm I'm not big on any government programs. Uh, but I also think that we've got to be realistic and reasonable whenever we can be. It's not designed for you to make a living, uh, you know, permanent living on, but you need to get by on. And 13 bucks isn't going to cut it, which is sad. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think we can do it, right? David in Los Angeles, quickly. Go right ahead, sir. You're on with Rich Valdez. Yes, you, you have to wonder why the Democrats are so hell-bent into normalizing pedophilia making you try to stop talking about it, guilting you into sweeping it under the rug. Yeah, let the 50-year-old sexually abuse the 8-year-old nephew. Don't say anything. They can still be a good person. Why is it? Why is it? I think it's because the Democrats are full of pedophiles themselves. But why do they have to have, why do they have to have sex toys handed out to elementary school kids? Why do they have to have drag queens teach our kids? Why are Democrats trying to turn kids into transgender with hormone blockers and cut off your appendages? David, you know, I, I wish I could say, oh, my gosh, David, what you're saying so heavy handed. I can't believe what you're saying. But it's all true. <laughs> and and I, I, I can't say anything, but I'm there with you, brother. I'm here wondering and saying what's going on. And, and I, I, I don't want to cast the blame on every Democrat because I don't think every Democrat out there supports this. But I, I do think that it, this seems to be prevalent and commonplace in many a Democrat Party circles where they just think this is what progress looks like. This is what democracy looks like. And and it's not. This is what the upending of our civilization looks like. This is how you destroy the innocence of children, which are already having challenges with innocence to begin with because of the culture. So I say I think you're spot on. We need to work and we need to work a little bit harder. So there is more to come straight ahead. Hour number three. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez. I'm in for the great one. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today. 
without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. So we've got crazy things happening in America, not the least of which is uh, Joe Biden seemingly going off the rails. We've got... uh, COVID is still a thing in one way or another. Masks are no longer uh, effective, according to one doctor. And uh, the surveillance that comes with the COVID uh, biometric surveillance is something that we're going to pay attention to also. Plus, there's a lot more. There's Twitter. And that's what I want to get to first. Now, the Twitter stuff is interesting, but I want to welcome you back to the show. If you're uh, just tuning in right now for hour number three of the Mark Levin Show, I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all of the social media at Rich Valdez. And uh, you may know me as Mr. Call Screener. I am the host of a show called America at Night, formerly the Jimbo Hannon Show, a nationally syndicated show. It's an honor to, to be a part of that program and i'm hoping you could tune in if you're able to but we're talking about what happened with twitter and twitter's involvement with the fbi and the fbi has now decided they are firing back and i want you to listen to this the statement reads, the correspondence between the FBI and Twitter show nothing more than examples of our traditional long-standing and ongoing federal government and private sector engagements, which involve numerous companies over multiple sectors and industries. As evidenced in the correspondence, the FBI provides critical information to the private sector in an effort to allow them to protect themselves and their customers. The men and women of the FBI work every Every day to protect the American public. It is unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. So I want to talk about this for a moment because I'm of two minds here, or at least I'd say I have two thoughts on this. Number one, there are misinformers in real life. There are disinformers in real life. And what people like to call conspiracy theorists are, in fact, just that. But I think they oftentimes get this um, connotation that conspiracy theories are not real, that people can't conspire or theorize to create a conspiracy about something. And that can, in fact, happen. Like, we do live in a country where JFK was assassinated. That's a real thing. One person went to jail for that. It's amazing how you could kill a whole president and one guy goes to jail. And it just, a lot of it seems fishy. There's a lot of open doors. But again, um, those things are fun and they're very attractive to the imagination. So I don't buy into them and jump down every rabbit hole I find. But I will say, in terms of rhetoric, right? And this is what, if you work for a large corporation, I spent some time working in the government. So I learned about, you know, circuitous conversations that 
start and end in nothing. For example, when when the FBI goes out and tells Twitter, you know, uh, we're thinking that Russians are going to release or some foreign actor is going to release a hack and leak operation. You got to be careful. It's probably going to say something about President Biden. It's probably going to mention his son, Hunter. This is a, you know, a deep fake, blah, 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 whatever it was they said. This is Russian disinformation. And uh, they prepare these companies and they're disseminating information that's beneficial to these companies or whatnot. Um this is uh, to, right. The men and women of the FBI work every day to protect the American public, right? That's what they said, and they um, they have private sector engagements which involve numerous companies over multiple sectors and industries. Th- this this type of rhetoric is very common from a political animal, from a bureaucrat. Whether you're a bureaucrat in a private company, a public company, or the government. Bureaucrats are the same. They're built on survival. They're not common sense individuals. Typically, I found in my experience, people that like talk radio tend not to be bureaucrats, but it doesn't mean that the bureaucrats aren't all listening right now because they do. They like to listen because it gives them a bird's eye view of what common sense people like to do and think. Now, not everybody's a common sense individual. I get that. But the bureaucrat is built on not rocking the boat, going along to get along, however it is, right? That's your run-of-the-mill person. But then there's people in, in higher levels that their job is to influence the balance of power or which is the technical definition of politics. And again, this is whether you work in a big company, a small company, it it could manifest as office gossip. It could manifest as uh, perceived incompetence. Oh, my gosh, I'm just so bad at my job. But you're constantly sabotaging things because you uh, innately don't like the situation or are resistant to change or whatever. This manifests in so many ways. These things happen a lot. And there are two different, in my opinion, I will boil it down and make a, a, a binary, um, you know, a bifurcation here where there's people that get things done and there's people that will perpetuate problems right and and that's what happens so you have some people that will go around in these uh you know these circular debates saying well you know we can do this and that we can definitely have a conversation that was our line in the government somebody said i don't like this and i don't like that and that doesn't work and this is bad and i don't like this because of that you would just turn to someone and say well you know mr so-and-so madam so-and-so we can definitely have a conversation about that and that made everything go away. Nothing was ever going to happen. We were never going to bend our will. We were still going to do what they wanted to do. But you made them feel like you were going to do this. So this is what I think we're seeing with the FBI. Is this is their canned response to saying, look, this is how we do what we do. We've always done this. And just because the FBI may have always stuck its nose into things it probably shouldn't be involved in, doesn't mean that it was right then or that it's right now. And this goes the same for other branches of the government that are exercising undue influence over the uh, American public, saying do this and do that, right? And there's this cut here. I've been uh, I flagged it a while ago. It's not new, but I think it's so um, appropriate. And it's a uh, Professor Yuval Harari. Now, if you guys know this. This is um, the right-hand man to a guy that I really try to give no airtime to. And the reason why, because I don't like these guys. I don't like these guys. I don't like what they stand for. And I, I just I have no interest in discussing this. But this is of interest to me because I think it's important we recognize it. And I'll give you a quick flashback to 
I think it was December of last year, maybe Thanksgiving of last year, I was hosting this show, the Mark Levin Show. Somebody called in and said, I want to talk about Klaus Schwab. And at the time, Schwab was, it might have been the year before, whenever it was that he was pushing his COVID-19 book. He had a book um, called The Great Reset, COVID-19, la yada, yada, yada. So somebody called in, and is oftentimes, just a little inside baseball here, a lot of times when people write a book, they want to get a free plug. And if they can't get their author onto a popular talk radio program, they'll have their troll friends call in and say, oh, you got to read this new book, or I just read in a new book by so-and-so, blah, 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 you know, making a plug for the book, some free publicity on a show that has a big audience. Now, as you know, in my role as the bouncer here, Mr. Call Screener, you know, I usually don't let those on, but when I take my bouncer roll off and I put the microphone and the headset on and I'm the host, you know, you deal with the call as it comes in. So the caller says, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, I'm not talking about Klaus Schwab. I don't want to hear about Klaus Schwab. I'm not interested in Klaus Schwab uh, and, and because I didn't want to promote his book. Now, I typically don't like to promote anything he does because I think he's a mad scientist, whack job, evil human. But this guy, Yuval Harari, is his right-hand man and is more of a whack job, more of an evil human than even Klaus Schwab is. So at least Klaus Schwab kind of looks like Dr. Evil, like a psychopath. This guy, he's uh, like a Ren and Stimpy version of a psychopath. If you Google him when you get a chance. It's a funny-looking dude. But I want you to hear him, quite frankly, speak about why COVID-19 was so good. Listen to this. COVID is critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. If we want to stop this epidemic, we need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin. (laughs) We need to monitor what's happening under your skin. Yes, no, that's what he literally said. Now, some people might normalize this kind of talk. I hear that and I say, oh, hell no. I am absolutely not going to let you monitor what's happening under my skin. I don't care if you're sick. I don't care whose abuela died. Forgive me. I don't mean to be crass, but just not letting you monitor what's happening under my skin. People do get sick and people die. All right. And this is this is why. And he's coming clean here saying that this full biometric surveillance is what we need. Now, he's not in the United States. He's part of the World Economic Forum. And again, not my topic. There are many experts on that. I'm not one of them. But uh, I think it's important uh, that bit of information because we still see some of this now with people saying you got to wear masks. You got to wear masks. New York City, they're saying, oh, you got to wear masks. And then you get Dr. Ashish Jha. And and he comes out, well, he comes out and he has some comments on mass, but I'm not going to get to that yet. I'm going to give you a chance to, to join the conversation, and then we'll play that in the next segment. Let me give you the phone number. It's 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, if you want to disagree. I am Rich Valdez, and I am here tonight filling in for the great one. Mark Lovin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. That's Valdez with an S, by the way. And I want to uh, invite you to call 877-381-3811. I also want to um, uh, thank Mr. Producer for for always doing such a great job. And the new Mr. Call Screener, uh, Steve from Miami, he's over there hiding out. He's doing a great job tonight, too. So quick shout out to you guys. Thank you both. Even when you mess up, you guys are good. So thank you. Now. (laughs) <laughs> I wanted to uh, play a Christmas song. Now, I know, I know um, it, it's uh, still a little early, but it is Christmas week. And it's a parody from my favorite satirical uh, newspaper, the Babylon Bee. And they do just a great job highlighting so many of the great things to appreciate from Joe El Baboso Biden. Listen to this. Biden, did you know that your policies would drive us underwater? Biden, did you know that your policies would trans our sons and daughters? Subscribe to you. Biden, did you know? Biden, did you know that your baby boy made shady deals in Ukraine? Biden, did you know that your baby boy loves Paul? Sean and cocaine. <laughs> Did you know that you shouldn't touch these women like you do? When you sniff that little girl's hair, it's borderline me too. <laughs> it is borderline me too. Merry Christmas. Welcome back. Rich Valdez here. A little bit of humor on Biden, did you know? Uh, if you found that offensive, give us a call back tomorrow. If you enjoyed it, call us tonight, 877-381-3811. Let me, um, let me pick a, a call here. We've got a few people calling in. Let's see, where were we going here? Redmond, Oregon. Let's go to Matt. Matt, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, Rich. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Yes, sir. I just wanted to say uh, every single time I hear the, the mask thing come back uh, over here in Oregon, uh, as California goes, so do we. Um, but uh, it just makes my blood boil that, that people would literally throw away the Constitution and literally throw away their liberties over a, uh, something that it is scientifically proven does not stop something a fraction the size of a micron. Yeah, and you know what? I think you, you, you bring it up, and I, I promised that I'd play it. So I want to play it right here because I, I think you're spot on. I want you to listen to this. This is Dr. Ashish Jha. He's Biden's COVID response coordinator, uh, and he was on with the Philadelphia Inquirer today, and he's in effect saying, look, it's not what you think. These things don't work like you think they do. Listen to this. 
you know, most experts believe that if we make some basic investments in indoor air quality, we can reduce infect all respiratory infections by 30, 60, even 80%. I mean, the notion that you could cut respiratory infections, there's no study in the world that shows that masks work that well. So you're never going to get the kind of benefit from mandatory year-round masking as you would from making substantial improvements in indoor air quality. But it's a lot easier to implement as well. So there you go. That's Biden's guy. Right? So when Biden's guy's telling you, look, these things, that they're, they're not doing it. Um, a few days ago, I had uh, Dr. J. Bhattacharya from Stanford on my program. And he, um, he said, look, we know that the vaccine eases um, the disease and, and prevents severe illness, but in no way, shape or form does it stop transmission. So, I mean, there, there was a lot of misconception, and I'm being generous here, right? When I say misconception, I mean fake news. Fake news of people just pushing their version of what they wanted to do and why they did it is another question. But uh, I think you're right. We put everything on the line for masks, and it uh, it just didn't quite fly right. All right, let me, uh, let's do one more here. It's been waiting quite a while. Joel, Joel in New York City, go right ahead. You got 30 seconds. Exactly. Yes. This is yes, uh, Zelensky. He makes demands. He doesn't make requests. Uh, for example, uh, he uh, at one point when the dele- uh, U.S. Uh, congressional delegation was paying a visit to uh, Ukraine, he demanded that do not uh, come over to uh, visit me unless until you're coming with plenty of cash and weapons. Also, seventy percent of uh, of the uh, provisions uh, to Ukraine. Where are they going? They're disappearing in the interim on their way to Ukraine, or when they arrive, Ukraine. Seventy percent of the uh, you know provisions, military or cash. You know they're disappearing somewhere, and they're not reaching uh, the uh, uh, the sources right. intended. Not for. reaching as intended. I get it. But listen, I. I and I don't know where the 70% number comes from, but I do know that that's pretty common. I mean, whether it's a hurricane in Puerto Rico or or foreign aid just about anywhere, uh, you're going to have uh, some malfeasance and some, some loss. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. And the more corrupt the system on the ground and uh, the, the less or the more corrupt, I should say, the infrastructure that they have and the political system, you're, you're the more uh, of that loss you're going to have. Uh, the bottom line is I, I don't know that Zelensky's making demands versus requests, but I'm not going to challenge that. I will say everybody it falls into that situation. If you're a foreign leader and you're dealing with Trump and you got nothing on Trump, you're asking nice. If you're a foreign leader and you maybe have a little something on Biden and you think he's uh, compromised, then you're saying, hey, I want this or else. Or else. All right. Rich Valdez, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Not done just yet. They call him Mr. Right, Mr. Conservative, and Mr. Constitution. But you can call him Mark at 877-381-3811. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. I identify as a talk radio host, and my pronouns are el and macho, el macho. Anyway, uh, we're going to get into a little bit of what's going on at the border because there seems to be a crisis at the border. According to one Democrat mayor, his name is Oscar Lesser, and Oscar Lesser uh, is on CNN today. He says that he wants the United Nations, the UN, to come and have a say in the border crisis. Now, I find this uh, interesting because... What does the U.N. have to do with the United States and Mexico border? 
right? I mean, that's the first thing that goes through my mind. But listen to this. I had the Arkansas governor on, Asa Hutchinson, who is a Republican, and he says, while the buck does stop with the administration, he does believe the onus is on Congress um, to act. He believes it's a Band-Aid as well. Do you think there's room for bipartisanship in Washington, and would you like to see that? Obviously, yes. Well, it's obvious that uh, we need to work together and regardless of parties, because this is a a U.S., United States uh, problem that we all need to work together. It's not an El Paso problem. It's a lot bigger than El Paso. And I honestly believe it's bigger than the United States. We need to work with the U.N. to work with other countries to be able to come up with a program that becomes humanitarian for everyone. So this is where um, I, I fall on this. I stop listening when you start saying things UN, World Economic, all these 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 big uh, you know outside of the uh, sovereignty of the United States because we really don't have anything to do with that, right? We really don't. Uh, just because we might be a member state doesn't mean that there's any any issue here. There's zero. I mean, we agree to take a million refugees or or immigrants a year more than anybody else. All right. I think that's enough. Um, that That's, the, to me, the extent of it. But that was, um, let's see, just making sure I get his name right, Oscar Lesser. And he is on with Don Limon, as I like to call him. Don Lemon from uh, the new CNN Morning Show. I hear they have astronomical ratings, by the way, doing really, really, really doing something actually they're just doing something anyway um this this issue is there is a sovereignty issue here there is also the issue of why people feel that government is the answer and i think it has to do with just philosophy you know there's some people that think you know what look if i love a woman I'm going to spend the rest of my life with that woman. I don't have to slide a ring on a ring on her finger. I don't have to sign a marriage contract or license. I don't have to commit in front of God or my family. Uh, I just pledge my love to this woman, and that's it. And for them, that is accurate and correct and 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 right, and that's how they live their lives. And then for other people, you know, it's like, hey, look, no, um, I am going to get married. I'm going to commit myself. We're going to be engaged. There might be a betrothal at some point uh, early on, and we're going to get married and have a you know lifelong commitment till death do us part. While I favor that one. Um, I can't sit here and ostracize everybody else, right? Because I realize that people see things differently and not everybody lives their life through um, the lens of their faith uh, or through a Christian worldview. So th- this is where things get sticky. And in this situation, this mayor, it seems that he looks at the world through through a very, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Collectivist, if I, maybe that's the best word. A collectivist worldview, where he feels that this is bigger than the United States. Is it really bigger? Because the only other parties to this are the the cartel that runs the Mexican border, Mexico, and the, the you know the people in the Northern Triangle, those states, you know maybe uh, Honduras, Guatemala, uh, that are uh, El Salvador, that are you know allowing their people to leave as refugees and and come to the United States. So to me, it seems wholly a problem of the United States because they all want to come here, right? It's our tax dollars that will end up funding this, not theirs. It's not the UN that's going to pay for this because the UN gets most of their budget from who? From us. So when when he says that this is bigger than the United States, how much bigger and how and why? How does that even work, right? This is, uh, in my opinion, why I think it's a uh, it's a problem. All right, let us um, check in with the audience. Let me see. Was there somebody that had a I thought there was somebody that had a question on this, but uh, Ray in El Paso, Texas, go right ahead. Yes, 
I wanted to know why, uh, like when President Trump was president, he told all these nations that they should be paying for uh, to the UN for their defense. And why is it only the United States paying for this, you know? Yes. Well, you know, he's talking. what he was talking about was NATO. But again, same thing. He also raised a similar argument, not for defense, but for the budget for uh, the United Nations. And he threatened for a while to um, to defund. You know, he's saying, I don't want, you know, I think we should. It's going to be a huge cut, huge. Right. I think uh, Trump was spot on with that. Right. He was throwing his weight around as president, negotiating, saying, look, no, 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 this isn't the way it works. Now, he's I have to say, in addition to identifying as El Mar, and as uh, as a radio person, I'm going to say um, I also I identify as an extremist, right? I think they call me an extremist nowadays, a MAGA extremist, ultra MAGA, uh, semi-fascist, whatever it is. And in, in my extremism, I would say that I totally believe that this world can work very, very, very well without the United Nations. It's a it's an organization of much consequence, but we would survive with little detriment if it wasn't there. Now, quickly, those that are fans of the United Nations will send me pictures of children with a cleft palate, a cleft lip, and say, oh, but look at all of these kids that Operation Smile, and we work with all of these NGOs and with the UN and this and that, and we're providing water, and we're saving women that are being uh, oppressed, and I'm not saying that you're not, but I'm saying those things can be done at a local level, and they would argue against me and say, but we're already doing it. And you're going to stop this great work because of your selfish needs to defund the U.N.? I would say, look, you like that, you do that. It doesn't mean the work will stop. But I think we've created a monster in the U.N. where they thrive on the, the, the funding of other countries and they have way too much power for no reason. Because they're not a thing, you know. I mean, they're not their own country. They 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 don't really even boast their own military. They have members of various militaries. They throw a blue hat or helmet on them, and voila, you have the UN military uh, peacekeeping forces, which are nobody and nothing. So, I mean, it's very minimal. Uh, Nothing that I think they has any sway or power. I mean, ask yourself this. Who's that famous general that runs the UN? Yes, right, exactly. And I'm not talking about the secretary general. I'm talking about their military general because they don't have one, right? They, they, there's like one guy that's like their security forces advisor or whatever. It's, it's not a, a big thing. We shouldn't be afraid of this paper tiger that we've created and we fund. And that's the key. When you are funding these things, you've got all the control. So I think it's silly to think that, that we're doing that. And it was smart for Trump to go to NATO and negotiate. And it's smart uh, for Trump to have threatened him the way he did. And I, I wished he would have kept good on that and pulled the plug on it. Or at least, you know, said, you know what, we're giving you this much. We're going to give you a fraction of it. Here's a, we're going to be the least uh, uh, amount of contribution. Now, of course, they would have said, oh, but that's embarrassing. You're the biggest and strongest country in the world, the biggest economy. How could you be the smallest contributor to the U.N.? Oh, well. Right. Oh, well, if anybody could have done that, well, it would have been Trump saying, oh, well, <laughs> oh, well, too bad. You're fired. Anyway, uh, let us continue. Let's go to Stephen in Portland, Oregon. Stephen, you're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, Rich, how are you doing? Wonderful. Thank you. Merry Rich, Christmas. Rich, how are you doing? Super. Well, Merry Christmas to you. I, I know it sounds crazy calling from Portland, but <clears throat> it, it, it really is just a small portion of the city that, that are wackos. The rest of us here are kind of normal. Mm, but, I don't um, know. I don't know. The jury's still out, but go right ahead. 
Well, my hair is not purple, so that's a that's a good indication. All right, we got that's but a plus. Speaking about the U, <laughs> my hair. Speaking about the UN on the border, so I I my friends think I'm crazy, but I've been thinking about this for a long time since they started to defund the police. So if they could defund the police and get UN on the border, or just get the UN peacekeepers in in our country, they're not really bound by our constitution. So. And like you just said, whoever whoever controls the money controls the power when it comes to the UN. So if they could get the UN into our country and get them enough money, they could kind of do whatever they want without having to be uh, tied tied to the Constitution. Is that is that a thing? Can they do that? Is that possible? In my world, no. Um, again, maybe it's my own naivete, but no, I don't see a situation uh, unless, you know, Biden, you know, comes out one day and says, hey, we, we want to have, uh, uh, you know, tanks that say U.N. peacekeepers on them, you know, invading our country. I mean, that would just be the silliest thing ever. I don't know that. Again, I don't see a scenario where. Even Millie and the other gentleman at the DOD, um, Lloyd Austin, I don't see a situation where either of those guys say, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, blue helmet people in our country. Absolutely not. I mean, that's the dumbest thing ever. Now, I could see a situation like that if, I don't know, we were fighting some sort of foreign war and we were, you know, defending our borders against, you know, armed invaders, not, you know, refugees that are sneaking in, coming in in raft boats with, you know, their clothes in, uh, over one shoulder and a child over another. But when you have, you know, an actual army, then I, I and again, I couldn't even see that. You know, I mean, we fought a civil war in this country and it never came to anything like that. Uh, so again, but apples and orange comparison. So strike that from the record, Your Honor. Okay. So I think ultimately, no, I don't see that happening in any way. Because again, the UN soldiers are US soldiers. So we're going to allow foreign soldiers in here. It just doesn't make any sense. If that does happen, just, you know, say a prayer. It's over. It's totally over. There's, there's, no help for anybody at that point. And I just don't see that happening. Um, if it happens, call me back and yell at me and say, you were wrong, Valdez, you were wrong, they're here. I don't think it's happening, not at all. Anyway, um, we'll continue with your calls. And I wanna go to, there was one more here, let's see. We got Illinois, Virginia, New Jersey. Uh, let's see here, well, this one looks interesting. Um, Teresa in New Jersey, go right ahead. Hi, Rick. How are you doing tonight? Wonderful. Thank you. Good. Um, you know, just out of curiosity, I'm thinking, what if, you know, um, I do believe that Italy is uh, allowing immigrants in. And... Um, <laughs> Well, a lot of countries, I mean, just to add to that, a lot of countries take immigrants in. You've had uh, Germany. Germany's kind of redone the landscape of, of, of their population by for, for over several years with um, immigration from North Africa, as has France. There's a lot of countries that have done it, and th they've seen uh, a lot of crime increases because a lot of these people were coming from war-torn areas. So these knife attacks and this type of uh, violence uh, that they're seeing uh, isn't native to, to their country, but it's native to the countries where they've been taking in the refugees, and that's why people are leaving. But with the good comes the bad. You know, you think about how many great Americans you meet that are uh, of Cuban descent, right? And they uh, they can tell you that they're anti-communist, they're pro-America, they're pro-free market, but you'll meet a handful 
And that came in that first uh, boat lift, the Marielle boat lift. They called them Marielitos. Great people, many of them, but some of them were criminals, and they emptied out their jails to send uh, in that that boat lift. So I think this is what happens when you have these mass migration projects where they say, oh, sure, yeah, there's problems in your country. Sure, we'll we'll take X amount of people. The first thing these countries do is go, you know what? We don't have to take care of these people anymore. Send them all of our prisoners first, the people that we don't want. Let them go over there and let them deal with it. And it's unfortunate, but that's what we're dealing with with these people, which is why you can't always deal. And you need people that are competent, that are in office dealing with this stuff. But thank you, Teresa. I appreciate the call. Very good insight. We will continue this conversation. 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez. In for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, and uh, that is Valdez with an S at the end, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. If you want to give me a follow on any of the social media platforms, I encourage you to do that so we could continue our conversation well beyond the live portion of the show. But there is a a uh, bit of, um, I don't want to say satire, but it was a funny comment, and I guess we could call it satire, from Senator Rand Paul. And you may have heard it making its rounds uh, today, and if you haven't, you're about to enjoy it. It's in uh, the title of it is "Twas the Night Before Christmas," and we're not right before we're right before Christmas, but it's not the night before Christmas. But um, I think you're going to enjoy it. Listen to this. "Twas the week before Christmas, and through the Senate and House, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The earmarks were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that Saint Nicholas soon would be there. The senators were nestled all snug in their beds." while visions of pork danced in their heads. No budget was found, just mischief and debt, while the taxpayers hung their poor heads and wept. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, senators sprang from their oxygen. What was the matter? Away to the window they flew like a flash, tore open the shutters when they heard the word cash. The moon on the breasts of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a 4,000-page omni with endless debt year after year. With a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now McConnell, now Schumer, now Pelosi and Vixen, on Biden, on Stupid, on Dumber and Blitzen, to debt, to bankruptcy, to free money for all. Now dash away, dash away, more cash for all. More cash for all. Man, Senator Rand Paul, what a great job he did there. And uh, let us go to Jerry in Illinois very quickly. Jerry, go for it. Welcome. Hey, uh, hi, Rich. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I, uh, I, well, I really enjoy your faith perspective and how it impacts your worldview. Um, I, uh, to, I, I believe we're headed for a, not a great depression, but the greatest depression. Um, I, 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 and I, and, and as much as I despise thinking about what it might do to, to our country that I love, um, in the long run, I think it may be good for us. Um, 
Well, you know what I'll say to that, Jerry, and I thank you for your kind words. I'll say that when life gives us lemons, we do make lemonade. And yes, we are headed uh, into a recession that Jay uh, Powell said we are, he's going to trigger uh, because we need to continue raising the infl- uh, the interest rates in order to control inflation. And the what was once perceived to be a soft landing is not going to be a soft landing. But here we are. And uh, I think you're right. We it may it may bring us into a depression and. You know, one thing that was born of the, the Great Depression was the the tough times that created very tough men and and tough Americans and put us in a in a position to move forward towards prosperity and to appreciate the good times that once were. And I think that's who we are right now, but we're kind of like those voices in the wilderness that are clamoring and not enough people hear us. But I think tough times will bring the rest of the country to its knees and hopefully um, they'll see the light and help us to get to that place where we once have a, you know, once had a thriving economy and we can get to it again. But I'm not a fortune teller, so I don't know. That's why I always tell people, uh, you got to stand for something because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Until the next time, hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez. It was a pleasure filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight. Check me out when you can on America at Night with Rich Valdez. Hasta la próxima. Take care. God bless. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. I'm Rich Valdez.